This morning, we find ourselves in Hebrews chapter 2. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 4. We'll be speaking on the subject, pay full attention. Pay full attention. Pay full attention to what you have heard about Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. There are three main thoughts this morning. Simply, first thought, we'll see that we have a duty. We have a duty. The second thing, we'll see that there's a danger. And the third thing that we'll conclude with is that there's a definitive response if we don't take heed and pay attention. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Give ear to God's word. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. retribution. How shall we escape? How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This is God's word. Give all of your attention to God and what he has to say to us in his word here this morning. Paul in Colossians, Colossians chapter one, he lays out in a sense the preeminence of Jesus Christ and the preeminence of Christ in in all things. And he concludes in verse 23 in the section where he lays out the preeminence of Christ, and he says this, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul Goal, Paul's desire was to anchor the faith of those who say they trust in Jesus Christ to anchor their soul in Christ in all things. It's not enough to just to hear about Christ. It's not enough just to hear about the gospel. It's not enough to come to church and just hear the preacher preaching, hear the teacher teaching and not respond. 
the Bible calls us to respond because of the greatness of who Christ is. And we'll see that here in a few minutes. Because of the greatness of Jesus Christ, it demands a response from us. The author of Hebrews, this is what he's been trying to get across to these Hebrew believers. He, he, he has uh, revealed the excellency, the superiority, the preeminence of Christ in chapter one. He has revealed it. He has laid it out. He, this, this, that there's been a, 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 a exposition of the, of the theology of Christ, uh, the uh, exposition of Christology in chapter one. And he has unpacked it fully and completely. But why is it that the, why, why is it that he's done that? Why is it that he has, he has, he has laid out the preeminence and the superiority of Christ, the, the superiority of Christ over the prophets and Christ being the, the final and full revelation of God. How is, why is it that he is laying out the, the preeminence and the superiority of Christ over the angels? Why is he laying it out? And it's almost like he, he, this, he's, he's preaching, he, he's laying this out, and, and he gets interrupted in the midst of, of, of laying out that Christ is superior because he's going to pick it up. We'll see next week, even in chapter 2, uh, verse five, he's going to pick up this same discussion about Christ being superior. But he, he it's almost like he can't hold himself. He is so concerned about the church and, and what is taking place in the church that he he goes from exposition to application. He gives application that the application uh, to to uh, of the truth of knowing Jesus Christ, that we must do something with it. But these believers will find that their attention was on something else. And, and it was a strong temptation. These are, are Jewish believers, I believe. And, and it was, it's a strong temptation for them to turn back to the Old Testament sacrificial system. Why, why, why was it a temptation? Perhaps one of the things we'll see later on is that they were being persecuted. Uh, they, they were having trouble in life. And so because of that, they the, the temptation was to turn back to that which brought them little trouble. The Old Testament sacrificial system didn't didn't bring any any trouble to them. But for for a Christian. Remember, it said that 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 those who who preached Christ, it was, they was turning the world upside down. And those who who believed Christ, they were suffering because of what they believed. And perhaps this is the, the reason why the author is saying to these to these believers that the Christ that you believed in, in the gospel, this is him. Don't turn. Don't turn away from him. Don't turn away from him. Even when it gets tough. And I'll say the same thing to you, beloved. I know many of you are struggling. You're having trials and tribulations in your life. Don't give in to the temptation to turn away from Jesus Christ. In all things, not just that Christ, yeah, he saved me, but in a sense where you live by faith. And in the fact that Christ died for you, he gave his life for you, that he that he was raised from the dead, that he has ascended to heaven. Those things should should be like an anchor to your soul in everything that you do, everything that you do. And that's what this the, the author of Hebrews is calling for, for these believers, that that Christ 
that that he is that he be that he be the anchor for their soul in all things, in all things, regardless what's going on. And it, and I can and beloved, I can tell you, and, and I know you can say, man, when it gets tough, when it gets tough, it is tempting to to turn to self. To, to turn to turn to what to uh, even as Mark was talking about with our children, that things get tough with our children. The temptation is is to turn and give all our attention to our children rather than to Christ. The author says, don't give your attention to something else. Give your full attention to Jesus Christ. Look with me at the text and we'll see first. We, we see first that we have a duty and notice that the author starts the text here in Hebrews chapter two with, with therefore or in the NASB, it says for this reason. And this points us back to chapter one, as I was just mentioning. The, the author uh, is, is he has just extolled the, the supremacy of Jesus Christ, God's eternal son. And so it's like the author is saying this. He he's he he is getting ready to make application. And, and it's just like he's saying this. Since God has spoken to and these are the things that we find in chapter one, since God has spoken to us through his son, who is the heir of all things and the creator of the universe, since God's son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature, since he God's son upholds all things by the word of his power it is he who reigns over all creation since he the the son of god has made purification for our sins and has now sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high since he is superior to the angels he is exalted above the angels he is worshiped by the angels since this is true now do this the angels worship and serve him. Therefore, we must, he goes into our past, we must, there is something that we must do. There is a duty. Sound doctrine must always lead to practical application. And this is what the author is doing. Therefore, based upon what has already been said about Jesus Christ, notice the text. We must. This is the first command in a series of commands that the author is going to give in, in the book of Hebrews. And what he's saying, in light of all the rich theological truths concerning God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a necessity. There is a duty. There is a obligation that all who profess to be believers must attend to. And what is it? He goes on. He says he commands them to pay much closer attention. Not just pay attention. Pay much closer attention. Is this a one time thing? No, this is a continual paying much closer attention attention to why is this something we must do because of all that we have and, and, and remember our time together 
uh, in, in Hebrews chapter one and how we look back to the Old Testament and how God has spoken uh, uh, of the fact that Christ is, is, is his son. We, we must pay much, much closer attention because God has spoken to us in his son, through his son. God himself, God himself has spoken through Christ. God has spoken to us in his son. And, and, and as we understand his son, we understand something about our condition. We need him. We, we, we need him. God has spoken something about our condition and he has spoken to us about the remedy, which is Christ. Christ is the remedy. And, and, and because God has spoken to us and, and the remedy he has given to us of the condition that we, that we, many of us were in before we came to Christ and some of you are in right now, that condition of eternal damnation apart from Jesus Christ. God has spoken to us and the word that he wants you to hear is Christ. Pay much closer attention to Christ. The idea here is to to take to take hold, to take hold of the truth concerning Christ, to take it, to pay attention to it, to put it before your eyes. To, to, to put it before your mind, to concentrate on it, to concentrate on it and to put it in your mind, to think about it, to meditate upon it. And as you meditate upon it, you apply it and you act upon what it is that you're beholding. Pay much closer attention to Christ. Set all your concentration upon Christ. Put him in your mind. And apply what it is that you know about Christ in every beloved. You may say, how do you do that? You apply Christ in every situation that you're in. If you're struggling to have the right attitude. If you're struggling to behave in the right way, according to Christ, look to Christ, beloved. He perfectly obeyed God's word while he walked on this earth in a physical body like ours. And because of that, you can have the mind of Christ because God has sent his son to lead the way for us. And because Christ obeyed perfectly, the grace that we need to have the right attitude, the grace that we need to behave in the right way, the, the grace that we need to, to, to give attention to the right things, that grace is available to us through Jesus Christ. Pay much closer attention to him. How do we do this? Turn to Acts. Chapter eight. It is the work of the Holy Spirit, beloved. You say I've been trying. I remember as a young believer. Trying and trying and trying, trying to overcome sin in my life, trying to keep my focus upon Christ. 
but the, but the issue for me was that I was trying to do it on my own. I was trying to do it on my own and I struggled over and over again. We pay attention, but like we're able to pay attention because of the work of the Holy Spirit. In Acts, we know that who is the who is at work in the book of Acts? Who is at work behind the scenes? It's the Holy Spirit. It, it was the Holy Spirit that was at work behind the scenes. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse number 6. As a matter of fact, go to this is this is this is this is Saul is is the Stephen has been stoned. Saul is 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 raising all kind of turmoil against believers. And in verse four, it said, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Verse five, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. <laughs> verse number six and the crowds with one accord, paid attention. How is it that they paid attention? Who is working behind the scenes? It is the Holy Spirit the, the, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him, they saw the sign that he did. It was the Holy Spirit who was at work and, and the people who was hearing the, the truth about Christ and causing them to pay attention. Turn over to Acts chapter 16. Verse number 14. This is the conversion of of Lydia. And it says here, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia. She heard the the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Listen, look look what it says. The Lord opened her heart to do what? Pay attention. The Lord opened, and we know that the Lord works through the Holy Spirit and by the word of God. As the word of God is preached, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was being said by the apostle Paul. We are able to pay much closer attention, not because this is something that we can do in our own strip, but because we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And, 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 and we must depend upon the Holy Spirit every day you get up out of the bed as a believer. Depend upon the Holy Spirit to, to help you to cling to Christ, to meditate upon Christ, to respond by faith to the great truths about Christ for the rest of your life. You need the Holy Spirit to do that. The author goes on, he says, to what we have heard. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. What is it that these believers have heard? They heard the gospel. Turn to Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four. Verse number two. And we read here. It says, for the good news. What good news? The good news of the gospel came to us 
just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they did they were not united by faith with those who listened. The, the gospel, the good news, is what was preached to these believers. And we'll see later on that the author he 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 urges them over and over again to embrace Christ. They've heard the gospel. In a sense, what he is saying is that faith in Jesus Christ is not it's not a one time event. You know, you hear some people say, how do you know you were saved?" You know, well, they all, they point back to a, a time in their life when they were sitting around a campfire, throwing rocks in it and said, oh, I gave my life to Jesus Christ at that time. But if you look at their lives, oftentimes many who said that they professed to, to have heard the gospel and responded, if you look at their lives, their lives gives very little evidence of that reality. It's, it's, it's not enough to say back when I was a little June bug sitting on the front row of the church and, and I re- it's just not, that is not enough. That will not save you. <laughs> what saves is Christ. What saves is being consumed with Christ. Faith in Christ, it, it's a lifetime responsibility to the truth of Christ and to the truth of what he has accomplished. It's, it's a lifetime of being saturated. And, and, and as you're saturated with the truth about Christ, you embrace it. And it compels you to live the life that honors Jesus Christ. Hearing the truth of Christ brings a, it brings response. There's accountability and there's a responsibility that we have to, to, to re, we have a, we're accountable to respond to the truth about Jesus Christ. If you're sitting here, if you're watching online and you hear the truth about the about Jesus Christ and that he came to save and you do not respond to that truth. You're in danger. You're in. It's almost like watching a a child run out into the to to the street and cars are coming. You see cars are coming, and you see the child run toward the street. What what happens in the heart of, of the parents? They they my child is in danger. I need to go get her. And I want to say to you, beloved, you're in danger. If you come to church Sunday after Sunday and you hear about Christ and you don't respond. You're in danger. And that's our next point. And even for us as believers, there's a danger for us. The writer says, least we drift from it. God has spoken in Christ. But some of these Hebrews who profess to be Christians, they were not interested in Christ. There were other things that they were more interested in. They, they were drifting away from faith in Jesus Christ. Drifting here is like a boat that is not anchored, anchored securely. The boat is not anchored and the waves come in, perhaps from a storm. What happens if that boat is not anchored? 
it slowly begins to drift away from the harbor. It slowly begins to drift away into danger. It slowly begins to, to drift away from the one who owns it. That's what this drifting is like. This, and and it's, it's like slowly being carried away in the wrong direction. And the current often that, that does, it's, a, it's, it's, it's subtle. When, when, a, when a boat is drifting, apart from a storm, when it starts drifting away from the harbor, it's subtle. You don't pay it. If you're on the boat, you're not, you won't be paying any mind to the fact that the boat is drifting away. It can go unnoticed. And, and beloved, in our own lives, when, as believers, we can drift. But, but it can go unnoticed by us. Others may notice, but it can go unnoticed. When, 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 when we don't give the same attention to Christ that we gave to him at one time in our lives when we were on fire for him. We don't, we don't attend church like we used to. That, that's drifting. When, when, when things outside of the church are more important than, than the ministry of the church. Subtle drifting. So, it's subtle. One author observed, he said, figuratively, this drifting here, it's in the present tense. It means to, to slip or drift away from belief. It's a picture of a gradual, almost unnoticed movement past a certain point. He adds, it describes that careless, the, the carelessness of mind, which perhaps is occupied by other things. It, it is not aware it is losing ground. It is like a ship drifting without an anchor and so drifting away from its moorings and from the place of, of safety to one of danger. End quote. Kent Hughes said this. He noted, uh, quote, such dangerous drifting is not intentional. <laughs> I'm going to pause right there for a moment. He says, such dangerous drifting is not intentional. But he adds, but comes rather from inattention and carelessness, end quote. Beloved, if you are a believer to take your eyes off of Christ and put it on the circumstances of your life, to take your eyes off of Christ and the things of Christ, to take your eyes off his church, to take your eyes off, off his, his gospel, is to drift. It, it's, it's, it, it is to begin to drift. When, when we in our lives are, are not easily influenced by the thing, we can hear about Christ and it doesn't influence us. It has, or maybe it has little influence of moving us to be fully devoted to Christ. You're drifting. You're drifting. When your love for Christ wanes, you're drifting. You're drifting. When you begin to neglect the things of Christ, when you begin to, to, to neglect or see less important the things that are important. Can you imagine the things that are important to Christ, the things that are important to him? 
when they began to not be important to you, you're drifting. You're you're being drawn away. Perhaps you're like Martha in Luke 10, where she was preoccupied and distracted and busy serving rather than paying attention to Christ as he sat in the same room she was in. Maybe you're disinterested in the gospel. You're indifferent. That there's two responses. Turn to Matthew 22. Turn to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. And we'll find here the, the parable of the wedding feast. Matthew chapter 22. Looking at verses 1 through 6. And here it says, and again, Jesus spoke to them in parable, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. And again, uh, he sent other servants, saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared My dinner, my ox and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. Notice verse five. And this can be true of us. But they paid no attention. And this could be true of some of you who hear the gospel of Jesus Christ Sunday after Sunday. And said that, but they paid no attention. And they went off, one to his farm, another to, or there was other things that were more important than paying attention uh, and, and going to the wedding feast. So there's, there's, a, there's an indifferent response, but then there's also a response of hatred. Verse number six, while the rest seized his servants and treated them shamefully and killed them. How, how is it that you respond to Christ? And, and, and I say that in the, in the present tense, how are you continually responding to Jesus Christ? Is there, are you indifferent? Or there, or do you see more things, uh, more things, uh, other things in your life more significant than Christ? There are other things you give your attention to, like a business, <laughs> rather than Christ. Beloved, we need to be, a, we need to be, beware of drifting away from the Lord. But what is so you saying? Drifting, what is the opposite of drifting? The opposite of drifting away from Christ is paying closer attention to Christ. It is clinging to Christ. It is clinging to him and sort of like Mary at the, at the feet of Jesus. She was there paying attention to his every word. It, it Clinging to Christ, cherishing him, 
Turn, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You'll see what it looks like to not drift. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's what it looks like not to drift. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. What does it look like not to drift? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And it says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. What does it look like to not drift? It is to continually behold the glory of the Lord as revealed in the pages of Scripture. And as we behold him, as we behold him in the gospel, our lives are being transformed to to and our minds are being transformed to look like Jesus Christ. That's what it means not to drift. Turn to Philippians chapter three, verse number eight. This is the, the, the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Who, were the, who was the cream of the crop, the, the, the best of the best. Verse number eight, verse number seven, he said, but whatever thing, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because, why is it that he counts everything as loss? Notice what he said, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Knowing him was so, worth, so, so precious to the apostle Paul that he gave up everything. He says, but I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of no, the worth of knowing Jesus, of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. He gave up all things so that he may gain Christ. He gave up all the privileges that he had so that he may gain Jesus Christ. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Verse number 17. Again, what does it look like? Verse number 17 of chapter 3 of Colossians. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Beloved, that is what it looks like not to drift. And we're in everything, in everything that we say, in everything we do, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do what I'm doing and, 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 I, and I give myself to it because Jesus Christ has died for me. He gave himself for me. I love my neighbor as myself because Jesus Christ, he loved me and gave himself 
for me. I give myself to the ministry of the church because Jesus Christ gave himself on the cross for me. Knowing him and experiencing his salvation is worth the it's worth the greatest sacrifice, beloved. It's worth giving up everything. It's worth giving up. And, 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 and I can tell you, there, there are times where, where you may have to, to, to turn your back on those who are closest to you and say, you know what? You're, you're causing me to drift. I got to turn. I got to follow Christ. That, 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 that may come. That demand of you may come in your life. And I can tell you as well, that oftentimes God sends troubles into our lives. He sends trials and tribulations into our lives to see where it is that we are putting our trust and our devotion. If your trust and devotion in, in Christ, troubled times will reveal that reality. But if you're just following Christ because of what he can do for you, I follow Jesus Christ. I love Jesus Christ because I can go to church and have fellowship. I, I love Jesus Christ because when I serve others, I am put in a in a in in the spotlight. And in, in some shape, form, or fashion, when it's all over with, I'm gonna get complimented. That's drifting. That that is drifting. That is God allowing you to to an opportunity to see to examine your heart. Those who follow Jesus Christ in John six and twenty six, Jesus turned who followed him because he fed them. Jesus turned and said, "Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs. The signs are that pointed to Jesus Christ as divine. That pointed to to Jesus Christ as 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 the Christ." As the son of God, you, you didn't, you're not you, you're not seeking me because you, you understood that or, or you paid close attention to these things. No, you're following me because you ate and got full. <laughs> he says you ate your field of the loaves. <laughs> that's that's someone who is not anchored. And Jesus speaks about such people like this who follow him because of what he can do. He speaks about them in the parable of the souls. The parable of the souls, there, there's a, a soul that, that is rocky. The seed comes and, and falls upon that, and it doesn't last. What grows doesn't last. But that soul that is fruitful and, 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 and the gospel is heard, it continues to produce fruit over a lifetime, over and over again. But there, there are those, and maybe some of you right now listening, you don't care. <laughs> you don't care. John says this of you, 1 John 2, verse 19, because eventually... If, if the concern is not Christ, they're going to eventually walk away. There was a, there, before I get to this passage, there was a guy I knew in, 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 I told you about in Korea. He heard the gospel, 
he heard the gospel and he professed to be a believer. He followed us, me and, and my friends all around. He would come knock on my door and say, hey, let's do a Bible study. I mean, I mean, I'm trying to get some rest. He's knocking on the door. Let's do Bible study. It, it looked like he was committed. But when I left Korea, and by God's divine providence, I, I was called, I called back just to check on him. The Lord had put him on my heart. And I said, let me call and check up on this brother. He answered the phone. But by God's divine providence, it wasn't good reception. And he, 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 he didn't know it was me. And he cussed me out. This is a, this is a guy who, who, who went to church, who, 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 who was wanting to, he was like, that's, that, he was sitting down. He was, every time we had Bible study, he was there. He was singing. But when life got tough for him, he, he drifted away from Jesus Christ. He, he cussed. And then when he finally realized it was me, he didn't apologize. He didn't say, oh, my bad. I, I was having a bad day. He cussed. He cussed. And he, was, and he was good with it. And John says of these type in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, he says, they went out from us. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be plain that they all are not of us. I'm going to close here. And I want to say to those who don't know Christ. Who have not made a commitment who have not made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ as Lord, who have not submitted themselves to Christ as the only Savior, I want to say to you first that you're in danger. Your only place of safety is in him. And what does it mean to be in him? It is to, to put all your confidence, to put all your trust, to put all your desires, put everything that is about you to put, to place that at the feet of Jesus Christ and submit to him. It, it is to acknowledge that, that I'm a sinner. And I love myself and the things of the world more than I love Jesus Christ. It, it is to embrace Jesus Christ as the treasure. Jesus Christ I see you in the gospel. I see you as a, as 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 I have read my word and everything that I see about you is so precious. It is so valuable that I want it. I want all that you are and I want all that you offer. That's what it looks like to come to Christ to, to in a sense like like in 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 Noah's time, Noah built this ark and he was warning people over and over again that danger is coming. And they didn't heed his warning. And there were those whom God chosen to 
get into the ark and and close them up in the ark. And and when the 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 wrath, in a sense, the wrath of God was poured out upon the world, those who were in the ark were protected. That's what Christ is. That's that's what he is. You come into the ark. He's the ark of safety. You come into Christ. You give all that you are. All those people who went into that ark, they gave them. They gave everything. They gave themselves. They gave the family. They gave all that they are to the to the safety of the ark and the ark protected them. The storm came. The water came. Those who were not in the ark died. But those who were in the ark of safety, they were they remained safe. That's what Christ is. So 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 don't drift away from Christ being outside of Christ. You drift away. You're going to drown. <laughs> you're I can tell you failure is going to come into your life. Then they're going to cause you to drown. But the difference is if you're in Christ, it doesn't matter when failure comes. You're in Christ. You can you can you can you can hit the sail. You can sail into the sun to the sunset. It doesn't matter what's going on if you are in Christ. So that's the first person I want to speak to. But for those of you who are in Christ, who profess to know Christ. And you do not give your full attention to Jesus Christ. I warn you now to pay close attention to Jesus Christ. Because you too are in danger. No, you you can't fall away from salvation. But you can put yourself and your family and those whom you love in danger. Look to Christ, beloved. Look to Christ. And we'll see why. Continue to look at why next week. Let us pray. Father, we, if we take true analysis of our lives, if we're truthful with ourselves, if, if we allow the word of God to be the light that shines upon our lives. The truth is there are many times, there are many days, there are many hours in which we find ourselves drifting. Drifting from looking to Jesus Christ. And the evidence of that shows up in our frustration. It shows up when we're depressed. It shows up when we're angry. It shows up when we put other things to as a priority over Jesus Christ. And, and not just Christ, but the things of Christ, his church, his gospel. We, we can do that. We we and, and, and Father, I thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit. Because I, I'll say if no one else would say I need the Holy Spirit to keep me from drifting away from Jesus Christ. And so I, I thank you that 
you have revealed in your word and you help us to understand the danger that that we have in our lives of, of wandering. The author of the book of Hebrews put himself under that admonition. He said, we, if we drift. So we can be an elder and drift. You can be a deacon and drift. You can be the most faithful person in church and drift. You could be the you can play music and drift. You can serve at the door and drift. Father, at this moment, help us to see the necessity of clinging to Christ in everything that we do, in every decision that we make, in every thought that we think we need to cling to Christ. Because like the, the, the writer of Scripture says, uh, Paul said in Colossians, Christ is our life. <laughs> Christ is our, not our family, not the ministry of the church, not our job. Christ is our life. May that be our declaration that Christ is our life and the way that we fellowship with one another and the way that we serve one another and the way that we serve our families and the way that we serve in the ministry here at this church, may it give evidence that Christ is our life. I thank you, Father, for this opportunity to bring Christ to your people. I pray that you bless this time that we've had together for the sake of Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen.